0: Welcome Salem Fields. It's so good to be in God's house with you today. Yes, wherever you are, it's God's house. He holds it all in the palm of his hand. He knows where you are. He loves you. So welcome to this worship service and I want to encourage you. It's the Lord's day. Let's worship Jesus. He is risen. He is risen indeed. I'm Pastor Jerome Hancock, your interim pastor, and I'm excited about today's service as we worship the King. And so I invite you to open your hearts in worship as we worship him we'll sing we'll pray we'll listen to god's words we'll give remember your tithes and offerings and your opportunities to give are there before you and i encourage you to be faithful to god in that area let's sing together let's praise together next week we're starting a new program between the services for children and teenagers and pastor jason will tell you more about that at the close i'm excited because we have a great staff we are working hard to prov- provide these options and opportunities for each one of you and your families. So I say praise the Lord for what's going to happen next week. And then today we're in the first Sunday of our seven week process, our path to Pentecost called Everything's Changed. And what an appropriate title for this day and age. Our scripture today is from Luke chapter 24, verse 32 Talking about those disciples saying, our hearts burned inside of us when we talked with Jesus on the road. And you and I, I get excited. I'm sure you do as well when I talk with Jesus. And today we have the opportunity to come into his presence. I hope you'll memorize that verse of scripture. I'm going to do it. And each week we'll have another verse to memorize. We want to burn them into our hearts so that we can be able to show the word of God to others. So join with me today as we worship the king. He never has failed me yet. He's not gonna fail me now. Our God's in control and even in these days of coronavirus, we can trust him and look forward to what he's got for us in the future. God bless you, let's worship.
1: trust with what comes next, cause my hindsight says I can count all this, my God isn't finished yet, if he did it before he can do it again, so I trust him.
2: like this, so many people turn to the Word of God uh, for encouragement, but the people of God turn to His Word for truth. The book of Deuteronomy is one of those places that people don't often think of when they're looking for the truth of Scripture to overcome. But the book of Deuteronomy is something that God gave the people so that they would understand exactly what they're to do in times of trial and really in all facets of their life. So I want to share some Scripture with you in this moment that I think will encourage you. In the book of Deuteronomy uh, chapter 20, starting in verse one, when you go out to fight your enemies and you see horses, chariots and a force larger than yours, you're not to be afraid of them because Adonai, your God, who brought you from the land of Egypt is with you. When you're about to go into battle, the priest is to come forward and address the people. He should tell them, listen, Israel, you're about to do battle against your enemies. Don't be faint hearted or afraid. Don't be alarmed or frightened by them because Adonai, your God is going with you to fight on your behalf against your enemies and to give you victory. And again, in the book of Isaiah, God is speaking through the prophet to encourage his people. He says to them, no weapon made will prevail against you. In court, you will refute every accusation The servants of Adonai inherit all this. The reward of their righteousness is from me. That's Isaiah 54, verse 17. The word of God assures us that our God fights for us and with us at all times. Don't be afraid. No weapon formed against us shall prevail.
3: But it won't prosper And when the darkness falls It won't prevail Cause the God I serve Knows only how to triumph And my God will never fail And my God will never fail Yeah, I'm gonna see a victory. You did it for me
2: Father God, thank you so much for who you are. God, thank you so much for the strength of your arm and, and the shelter of your hand. God, we know that there is no weapon formed against us. There is nothing that will prevail against us, Father, as long as we stay close to you. So, God, we ask you that you would give us a spirit of strength and courage. Lord, in the midst of all the chaos of the world and all the things that are happening right now, Lord, we need you. Your people are crying out for you, God. We pray for your mercy. We pray for your strength, God. We pray for a peace that only you could provide for us, God. We ask you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would heal this land and heal this world. Father God, let your people be your hands and feet. Let us be active in serving others, God, in bringing hope to the hopeless. But God, we must be filled first. We ask you today, Father, that you would fill us with your presence and that presence would begin to seep out Uh, all around us in our neighborhoods and our families. God, we trust you to do what's right, even when we can't see it. And God, we praise you and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus, amen.
4: Hey everybody, it's so great to have you here today. I'm really excited for this message and I hope that you're doing well. I hope that you're hanging in there at home. I know it's been a number of weeks now, but um, if you are of the drawing type, I wanna invite you to grab some paper, grab a marker or pen and to draw along with me during the message today. I hope that that'll be a way for us to connect and us to interact, especially in this kind of crazy time. Right. Um, And and I think for me, it hit me a couple weeks back. It was a Saturday. I remember when I was going out for a run and uh, it was a normal Saturday morning by all the Usual factors. It was about 9, 9 30 or so, and I was headed on my route down the path towards downtown Fredericksburg. And I found myself in the middle of the street, the middle of Princess Anne Street, which is usually a crazy place on Saturday morning. And it was totally empty. See, here I was running down the middle of the street. There were cherry blossom petals blowing in the breeze, in the wind, and it was quiet. There were hardly any cars out. There was nobody riding in the road. And it was just really crazy. And then to make things even more crazy, there were a couple of women who were handing out flowers. They were handing out flowers to all the people who were driving by and they had tulips there. There was this giant tulip giveaway. I actually ran through the drive-through to pick up my flowers and then ran home kind of like bearing the Olympic torch. And, and so I was in this place, the middle of Princess Anne Street, wondering, looking, saying to myself, everything's changed. Everything's changed, and, and I don't know when that moment was for you. Maybe it was running down the middle of the street. Maybe it wasn't. But there was a moment probably in the last couple of weeks that you realized everything's changed. And that's what we're gonna be talking about over these next seven weeks. Because what has changed? Everything, right? The world, life. You haven't worn pants with buttons on them for several weeks now. You've watched Tiger King twice. that that there's so many changes that we've encountered. And and also as a church, as Salem Fields Community Church, we're in the middle of a change, a pastoral transition. Maybe you have another change that's been going on in your family or your job or your, your house. There's other changes, there's these layers of change. But when I say those words, I want you to think for a minute. When I say those words, everything's changed. How do you hear them? If you read those in a text message, how would you say them aloud? And I want you to do that right now in your household. Say those words, everything's changed that you can, you might say them, everything's changed with like a smile on your face, or you might say everything's changed kind of with the frown going on, or maybe something in between. And the thing is with change comes stress. With change comes lots of mixed emotions inside of us, and change can really make us do some crazy stuff. But those of us who have placed our faith in Christ have an opportunity for a different response, a faithful approach to change and transition. And I want to say, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not quite sure about this whole thing, we are so glad that you're here with us today. Come on, listen in, try to figure this out. We are here with you. You are welcome here at Salem Fields Community Church. But those of us that have placed our faith in Christ, we kind of operate in this area. That that we have a faith in a God who hasn't changed that sometimes we need to ask ourselves what hasn't changed because that gives us perspective of what has changed, that we can remain hopeful and expectant knowing that God is still on the throne, regardless of what's going on around us. But we're also ready and prepared to that. God gave us brains for a reason. And it's this sweet spot that we operate in, in that faithful approach. Because as God's people, we're not simply marking time and waiting for change or waiting for this pandemic to end. Because our job is to ask, how can we cooperate with God here and now in this movement of the kingdom, in this place? And so in this time of life, while it's challenging, it can serve as a launch pad for a new way of living. And what's interesting is this kind of moment that we find ourselves and what it brings is really not that unfamiliar. And it's kind of ironic that all of this is taking place around the time of Easter, because the same feelings that we're experiencing were the same things that the disciples were experiencing right after the resurrection. And that's what we're going to be talking about over these next seven weeks. We're going to take this journey, this path to Pentecost, looking at the time from Jesus's resurrection to the time that the Holy Spirit comes to the disciples in that upper room and really launches them out. in what we call the birth of the church. Because at the end of those 40 days, in between the resurrection and Pentecost, more had changed. And what was it that changed the most? Them, the followers of Jesus. And so we're gonna start at the beginning of that story today with our first episode. And in this first episode, we find a group of disciples on a detour. They're headed out, out of the way. And sometimes change, right, puts us on a path we never thought that we'd be on, of shattered dreams and executed hopes. And I wanna say, if that's you right now, then you are in the right place with us today. Because in the detour is where Jesus shows up.
1: Out of the shadow, of the gallows a dead man walking to love game calling rise up rise up up. up. six feet
4: Going to look at a passage that is found in the Gospel of Luke. If you didn't know, we have four accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus. We call them Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Luke is one of those. Luke was not a disciple of Jesus. He came later and compiled from different sources all the stories that led him to faith in Christ. And so at this time in the story, Jesus is risen from the dead, just like he said. And, and so the disciples go to look for him in the tomb. They don't find him there. They're panicked. But Jesus has 40 days to reveal himself to the world. And we find at the beginning of this story, where does he go? What does he do? Well, does he create a TikTok video? And does he go viral? Does he create a meme? Does he post it to social? Uh, well, actually, he doesn't. And you might be surprised what he does do, though. He takes a walk. He takes a walk. You and I have been taking more walks recently, right? That's why Shenandoah National Park has been shut down. We've been taking so many walks, right? But but Jesus doesn't just take any walk. He takes a detour, an indirect route. So let's go. Join me on the journey. I don't care if you know where Luke is in the Bible. I want you to walk with me as we join two travelers in this story. So Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 16. Now that same day, so this is on Easter, the same day that Jesus' resurrection happened. That same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. So this part of the story tells us on the day of resurrection, Jesus appears to two travelers. And these are disciples who have been following Jesus, but they're kind of second string disciples because we never really heard of them before. Scholars believe that they were a husband and a wife, but we don't quite know. And they're walking towards a village named Emmaus, Emmaus. And if you go to Israel, you can go and see Emmaus and there's a gift shop there. But if you get a really good tour guide, a local one, they'll affirm to you that it might be Emmaus or it might not be Emmaus. It's kind of a maybe Emmaus, because the thing is, nobody really knows exactly where Emmaus was. It was kind of an insignificant place. There's no archaeological evidence that indicates where it is. So the question is, why would Jesus go there? Right. Because most of the time, we look for God in places that everybody recognizes. Like big buildings of churches and in stained glass. And we listen to people like Justin Bieber and Kanye. But instead, Jesus hits this dirty little road. And remember one thing. Jesus died in Jerusalem. That was where he celebrated the Passover. That was where he said the Holy Spirit was going to be coming in a matter of time. So these guys, they're walking the wrong way. If they have really believed in the resurrection, they would have stayed back in Jerusalem. So what kind of God is this? Who would do this? You know, what kind of God would speak through a, a text from 2,000 years ago through these words, would speak over the interwebs and communicate to you even today and bring you to this place at this moment? Well, could it be that often we look for God in the destination, on the road to somewhere, but he's really the God of the detour? Is it possible that Jesus doesn't always take the most direct route? And what if you and I, what if we're on a detour right now? Because I don't know about you, but I had plans. I was going to see my brother in May. I had hockey games that were planned. I had races that are now canceled. But we have to ask the question, what if he is pursuing me right here? Because he's the God of the detour, not the destination. So in the story, they're walking, and here comes Jesus. He's kind of like a stalker, right? I mean, come on. It's kind of weird now. He just kind of walks up to them. He just kind of shows up. And in verse 17, he asks them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? In other words, he's expecting a good response. To to quote John Renke from the Tiger King movie, Jesus is saying kind of like, I'm sure y'all got a story to tell, right? And so the verse continues. They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas, we're gonna call him Cleo today, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, Jesus asked, playing dumb, right? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped, circle that, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. See, when everything's changed and you're taking a detour, this is really important, guys. we realize from this text, you got to do this. Because isn't it interesting that this is where Jesus meets these two disciples? In the midst of this, this is real important. Because Christians are not supposed to be all smiley all the time and just say, oh, everything's hunky-dory, we're kind of Pollyanna-ish, everything's great, and because Jesus meets us in our grief. And you imagine that these two, they're walking seven miles, Jesus is coming to them, Uh, they stand still, their faces are down, and and doesn't everything in this text really seem backward to you? Because Jesus, like, if you just had got up from the dead, wouldn't you wanna hang around happy people? you want to have a party you know do the cha-cha slide but the bible says that they stopped jesus stops with them and they're sad and apparently he enters into their sadness and and cleo of course he launches into this long speech but what does jesus do he lets him he lets him he listens and and cleo says well we had hoped Remember, I told you to stop there. We had hoped that the Greek word there, the tense, actually suggests continuous action, that this has been happening for a long time. They'd been hoping for such a long time, but it was still going on. So I want you to think for a minute. What are you grieving? What had you hoped for? What is it for you? I asked Facebook this week uh, that very question to see what their response would be, knowing that we're all experiencing some kind of grief here, whether we know it or admit it or not. And be surprised at the number of answers that people gave, all different things. Uh, things like chips and salsa, right? Even if you order out like takeout, it's just not the same. Even Marshalls, going shopping the Marshalls. But, but on a more serious note, you know, things like trips to see relatives. Um, someone said hugs. Someone said sanity in alone time because of their three toddlers. Maybe for you, it's, it's uh, kids not finishing their school year or not experiencing a graduation last year of elementary or high school. Teachers, your closure with students, not getting to see them. Maybe it's not being able to visit with your parents, whether they're elderly, maybe in a nursing home. Someone said no nursing home visits with their dying father. Someone said it's about sharing a new baby's development. Maybe somebody in your family or a close friend has had a baby and you haven't even met them yet. Someone said baseball games, or just being with people. And someone else said this, which really hit me hard. The cumulative effect of a dozen tiny losses. These are all real. See, every change involves a loss, whether we like it or not. Even the happy changes, getting married, having or adopting a child, starting something new, it involves a loss of something previous. So Cleo has good reason here to be downcast, because from his perspective, he says we had hoped that he was the one. But could it be that we miss Jesus because we're always looking for him in our dreams, but yet he is found in the disappointment? Folks, we got to grieve because Jesus meets us there on this road. But the thing is, don't judge the journey just yet. See, we can't stay there, that we have to see what the end will be, because Cleo continues in verse 22. He says, In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. See, Cleo is describing all that he had heard, all that he had seen. And for him, the world has turned upside down. Nothing makes sense. And maybe you feel that way right now. But what if God is revealing something to you now in the midst of all the changes? What if he's revealing something that you just have not seen before? Because when everything's changed and you're taking a detour, You also got to do this. Pay attention. Pay attention. I grew up outside the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, right? Have you ever been there? And and what is Philadelphia known for? Yeah, I know, cheesesteaks and soft pretzels and the Philadelphia Phillies and the E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles. But, but it's also known for a couple of sites, right? The um, famous art museum steps, you know, Rocky, Adrian, you know, he kind of goes up there, but also like his more historic than that, uh, the Liberty Bell. Well, it was really kind of Funny that um, it wasn't until my brother was about 12 or 13 years old that our family realized that he had never seen the Liberty Bell. I had gone on like a school field trip or something prior to that. That we only lived about 40 minutes away from this really historic place. And we'd probably driven past, you know, the exits to get off to see it in just a matter of minutes. But it took like 12 or 13 years for my brother to see what had been there the whole time. And so my point is, it can be so close and remain unnoticed that things can be so imminent and invisible to us, but that does not mean that they're not there. In times of change, in times of change, that can be the most opportune time to pay attention to something new. Because we pass things by day in and day out. When our schedules are interrupted, when life is interrupted, that's the opportunity, the time to see. And when we rewind a little bit in our story to the time when Jesus first walks up to these two disciples, Luke tells us in verse 16, they were kept from recognizing him. And think about this. Maybe have you been kept from recognizing resurrection or new life right in front of you? because the scripture doesn't say he didn't recognize him something kept him from recognizing him so pay attention in the midst of change in the midst of everything going on pay attention because God might need to bring something to your attention and i think for myself you know how many times have i been kept from recognizing what god was doing right in front of me maybe maybe the things the gifts that I had been missing. Maybe the opportunity for for love or people that have loved me. Maybe the opportunity to, to look for new direction from God, even in the midst of the change. Maybe an opportunity to even dive deeper in my relationship with God. See, how many times have I missed a miracle because all I saw was the mess? Because God says, everything's changed, but I haven't. So in the midst of change, look for me. And in our story, when everything seems backwards, it's really interesting we see Jesus running towards these disciples because he's the God of the detour. So pay attention. Pay attention because what does Jesus, what is his response to the disciples? In verse 25, he said to them, How foolish are you and how slow to believe that all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus breaks down what had been happening, what they should have seen and should have heard. And isn't that the truth? that in the midst of change, if we pay attention, it's a learning opportunity, that we grow as we go. But the thing is, we have to keep walking. And one of my favorite authors is Eugene Peterson. He's also the writer of the paraphrase version of the Bible, The Message. And he says this, he says, every step is an arrival. Every step is an arrival. So maybe Just maybe, maybe Jesus is trying to show you right now something you've been overlooking for a long time. What is it? What is it? What is it that he wants to reveal to you? So let's jump back on the road. So verse 28 continues, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther. let's look at verse 29. When they urged, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So we went in to stay with them. So imagine this, they're in their Airbnb for the night. They have the extra room for Jesus. And, And then Luke tells us when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. See, Jesus Jesus is always taking over. He's always taking over conversations. He takes over their takeout. He takes over their fear. He takes over, he takes bread, blesses it, and breaks it just as he was broken. And when he breaks the bread to give it to them, look in verse 31, then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. And then in verse 32, which is our memory verse for this week, then they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Pay attention. It it takes time to connect the dots. Um, I know many of y'all are working kind of puzzle mania. I don't know how many puzzles you've put together in the last few weeks. Uh, Somebody told me that there's something like you can buy a six-foot puzzle that's something like 10,000 pieces, maybe 100,000 pieces. You know what that's called? That's called madness right there. But you've been working on puzzles, or maybe you have in the past. It takes time to complete it. It takes time to even find the pieces. So if we pay attention, we might see something new. But it's not just stopping there. Because the disciples, they didn't just share that meal with Jesus and say, okay, it's him and that's it. Because this is key. In verse 33, then they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So Cleo and his wife, what did they do? They zoom with the disciples. Well, not really. They zoom over to the disciples, to Jerusalem. They go back seven whole miles. And what does that show us? Well, I think it shows us something really important. That when everything's changed, don't be afraid. To go back. Ooh, right? It's interesting. In the scripture, it's funny, only Luke reports this story of this road to Emmaus. Luke's whole gospel is structured and built around going to Jerusalem and then going back. But this time, his followers try to leave the holy city only to be pulled back in. They needed to return. So my question to you is what do you need to return to in the midst of change? What do you need to go back to in the midst of this time? Well, one of my uh, fun hobbies, as I related earlier, is running and not only do I like to run, but I like to watch other people run, especially really good people. Well, a couple of weeks ago, there was this race that was held around the world because all the races had been canceled and it was called the Quarantine Backyard Ultra, ultramarathon. Ultramarathons are anything longer than 26 miles. And so athletes were invited, runners were invited to join from wherever they were. And the idea was that at the top of every hour, you had one hour to complete 4.1 miles. And you could do that on the treadmill. One dude ran around his living room. Some lady in Sweden actually ran around a frozen lake and she had to uh, cut the course a little bit early because there was a blizzard going on. Who knew, right? And there were people that were running outside, kind of a loop around their neighborhood and such. And I was addicted to this. I watched people running on treadmills and, and these kind of doors, they had it all on Zoom and uh, on Facebook Live, on YouTube Live. And I watched this for days on end, just kind of had it running in the background of my computer. And it ended up that there was this guy named Mike Wardian. He's actually a Virginian, Woohoo! he lives in Arlington. And he won this race in 63 laps. At 63 hours, he ran 4.1 miles each hour. And what's interesting though, is that he almost ended the race in lap 44. Because in lap 44, He stopped running, he was ready to turn around and his wife came up to him and asked him what's going on. And he said, I just don't want to do this anymore. And guess what? His wife responded to him. That's not a good excuse. And what did he do? He turned around. He went back. He went back to the course, finished that loop, that, that lap in one of the fastest times. And he went on for 19 more hours to win this race in 63 laps. Excuses, right? What excuses are you making? What, what do you need to return to? Because times of great change is a great time to return. To return to the most important things. Maybe this is one of the first times in a while you've been to church or come to to worship with us. Maybe for you, this is an opportunity to go back to church, to back to being part of a community. I I don't like to put the building there, but just a representative of, of what church can be. Or maybe for you, it's returning to someone in your life who is really important that you've been missing. Maybe it's someone in your own household that you need to return to, you need to go back to and rekindle that relationship. Maybe it's a big life change, a U-turn that you need to make, whether now or in the future. Maybe for you, it's revisiting, going back to a dream that had died that needs resurrection. See, times of great change are great times to return. And sometimes you have to go back in order to get ahead. Don't be afraid to go back. What is it that you need to go back to? Because the journey, as we see with these disciples, the journey starts where you are, but the end, where it ends, depends on what you do with it. And I'm sure for you, there was a moment For you over these last few weeks that you realize everything's changed. But there was a moment that happened 2,000 years ago that really changed everything. And that was the event of Jesus's resurrection. An event that led to a movement as we'll see in the next few weeks, which then leads to us to change the world through God's power. Remember, every step is an arrival. And change may interrupt plans and execute our dreams and put us on a path we never thought that we would would be on. But Jesus chases us there. He meets us there. And he also resurrects us there. Why? He's the God of the detour. So I want to remind you today to grieve, but pay attention and ask him to open our eyes to what he might reveal to us. Go back to something because the God of the detour is pursuing you and he wants to meet you on the journey. And if that's you today, then you are in the right place. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Today, we ask you to do a healing work in our souls. And it's easy for us to dread change, especially when it's not our choice, when it's thrust upon us and it feels like it's a detour or it's in the way, it's a road we didn't want to take. Lord, help us not to see change as a time where we just mark time and place and wait for it to be over. But Lord, that it's a springboard a springboard towards serving your purpose to growing in relationship with you, Lord, you know, it's hard. There's so many layers of change going on right now. And you know what we've lost and, and, and from wherever you are, if you're worshiping with us today, if you would say yes, if you would say yes, you know what, when you were talking about grieving pastor Chris, that really hit home, I haven't grieved and I want you to be honest. And if that's you, I invite you to say, Jesus, meet me on the road in my grief. I need resurrection because I believe that he will. Or, or maybe maybe for you, your eyes have been shut. Maybe you haven't once. You've been kept from, from seeing something that's been in your path. Ask the Lord, ask Jesus, what do you want to reveal to me here and now? Or maybe for you, it means going back, going back to return to something, to return to, to something that, or someone, maybe it's a return to Jesus. Maybe you're not a church person or a religious person, but maybe this is an opportunity for you to go back. Maybe you lost hope somewhere along the road and maybe your dreams, your excitement needs resurrection, needs new life. Or maybe you're saying, you know what? I'm just not sure if I've been on the right road with God, but you know what? I'm ready today to follow him. And if that's you, I invite you to, to let him take the lead, to invite him into your life, to turn around from where you've been headed from all the things maybe have been getting in the way and to turn over your life to Jesus. And if that's you today, let today be the day you decide to follow for the first time, the first time in a long time and father i pray today for all who are gathered here in separate homes separate places but together i pray for all the families represented the layers of change we're facing but today help us to see the detour not as taking us out of the way but as a means of leading us closer to you and building your kingdom here and now amen
5: Hey, thank you for joining us for worship today we are so excited that you joined us and uh, and uh, just a couple reminders as we kind of wrap up today um, that as we are continuing on with our series here um, over the next seven weeks of everything's changing just like the disciples experienced during that time up to Pentecost um, that we are taking the time to memorize those scriptures every week and gather together with your small groups or with your families to memorize those and going through the small group material that's going to be provided to you it will be available every Monday um, by noon it will be available on our website and our social media pages and so we hope you participate with those things um just a couple of reminders of things that we've got going on we've got our deeper dive that takes place every uh, monday at 2 p.m this is a time for you to kind of ask questions to the pastor about the sermon where we can answer those questions maybe get a little bit deeper into the the parts of the message that um, you want to discover as well as we have our journey takeover our students take over every tuesday um that we have different events on our social media pages and um there with Pastor Tone. We have our lunch uh, gatherings on Wednesday through Zoom and Facebook. So be able to check those things out with Pastor Chris. And then uh, Rainey brings uh, everything on Thursday to the uh, children. So there's always a Facebook Live there for children. We're excited about that. And then Pastor Kelly has our prayer time on Fridays. So a lot of things going on. Even though the building may be shut down, the church is still up and running and it's alive and well. And so we we, uh, are excited about those things. Hey, just a reminder, you can also continue to give through your tithes and offerings by mailing in your check to Salem Fields Community Church. Um, going to our website and using the give buttons on the the website there or going through our Salem Fields app. Um, We even have a box that's located on the outside of the building if you want to drop off your tithes and offerings there. We'd, uh, We'd appreciate that. Um, a couple of things that we've got exciting that are coming up uh, starting next Sunday. Um, at 10.20, our children's ministry is going to be kicking off their own service starting at 10.20. We're going to be coming back to Salemfields.com slash live, and uh, we'll have a moment of uh, uh, worship with our ch- children's uh, department um, from 10.20 to about 10.35. Um, and then right at 10.35, we're going to switch it on over to Pastor Tone, and he's going to have a time of worship um, there for our middle school and um our high school students as well. So you want to be a part of that. Looking forward to that next week, starting off next Sunday. We're excited about those things. Hey, and just a quick reminder. You know we've got a lot of things that are going on here in our local community, but let's not forget our pastors uh, James and Charity in Port Harcourt, Nigeria. Let's continue to pray for them as they're navigating ministry and, and and facing this pandemic as well. And then of course we've got Manu and his family in India. So let's keep them up in prayer. And um, you know we just know that God's going to get us through this as uh, we face change. So we're excited that you joined us. We thank you for joining us. And until next next week. God bless.